0: Hello, baby. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Sound Direction, a menswear podcast. Can you believe it or not, Ripley? There's no stuffiness here. I used stuffiness? to say that. I used to say that a long time ago, and I You're don't uh, remember anymore. Yeah. Um, do, you, do you remember the uh, the SNL sketch, um, uh, Laser Cats? I do not. And, uh, wait,
1: do yeah, I, what? What was describe it to me? Maybe I remember it.
0: Well, okay, so it's it's got. Um, I can think of two things that it in.
1: probably has in it.
0: Oh, what? do you, Yeah, lasers <laughs> and cats. Yeah, your mind didn't automatically go to um, Andy Samberg and um, Bill Hader. Anyway, like they make videos, and it's usually like it's like laser, like it's la Cats are the guns. And they shoot lasers. Oh, okay.
1: I think I remember this.
0: Yeah, but... Each, How did we each get on this? Each one is, like, a parody. Uh, Well, because there was a scene that... Uh, Sigourney, I think it's Sigourney Weaver. And it was a Avatar episode. But then the parody of that whole episode... Or the, the whole short was them doing, like, aliens. Okay. And then, um... At the end, like, Ripley saves their ass with, like, a fucking, um... I guess a flamethrower cat, I guess I mean flames are kind of like a laser, but like the like a laser's little
1: uh, I don't kind think of. flames are like a laser. I don't well, think any scientist both, would say they that. They both have light, right? Is that, sure. Is that what, I that, like
0: how after we get a literal PhD. Laser on the stands podcast, for something,
1: you know? Laser stands for something. Yeah, it's like, like
0: it's like it's like light.
1: I'll tell you what laser amplified. stands for.
0: Wait, I can do it, I can do it. It's light I don't believe amplified you server electronic nope. radio by
1: simulated emission of radiation
0: well i got this is an that, educational probably.
1: podcast i know we just changed the the <laughs> the um the uh category on itunes but we we deep down we're an educational yeah. podcast i
0: just want i want to put a, i want to i'm going to finish that bit real quick here um okay so when when uh Sigourney River's weaver's character jumps in to save them they go ripley and she goes believe it or not and that has always stuck with me ever since
1: have you ever been to the museums? Absolutely. I okay. Have. what's your What's your favorite thing they got there? The big tall guy. Don't we big, to tell you? The big fat uh, guy. You mean the last yeah. time I went there when I sure. was like
0: in like like high school? Yeah, tell dude, me. Dude, I don't want to know. I wanted to like kiss my crush or something. Man, I was like, whoa, this is this? isn't this? Isn't aren't the ladies' fingernails so long? <laughs> One time By the way, when, kiss
1: yeah. me. One time yeah. I went to uh, I I don't remember which location it was um but i went to one and they had a uh stone it was like a little gemstone it was holographic so you couldn't actually touch it but it was like it looked like you could and it was like this is cursed and if you if you try to grab it you'll be cursed for the rest of your life and then, you know, you try to grab it, and then it, like, you know, whooshes away in mist, and then an evil voice cackles or something. And I did that, and I was like, oh my god, I've been cursed. <laughs> I was, like, legit, like, scared. I was like... You're like Barbosa at the end of the Yeah, you know, like I was... at the end, but... I was before. like, I, I went through the rest of the museum, and I was like, dead man walking. I'm cursed. I'm not gonna make it out. Um but I, I made it to this day it's a medical miracle doctors don't know how it how it happened but i mean there,
0: there was that one time where we were hanging out and you made, we said let's make sandwiches and you gave me like oh ethan you can finish off this uh, this loaf of bread and apparently i was the only one who got moldy bread
2: yes, the whole, that is the right. whole
0: day I, I i was like i was like halfway done with the sandwich when i'm like oh shit there's mold on here thanks by the way but like after that i was like oh man De- like dead man walking, aka, I'm gonna throw up or poop or something, man. Like, I was so scared the rest I mean, of the I mean, you're
1: always gonna poop. You're never, in, like, you, like, if you know, you're you never real dead no- man I mean, there could be
0: a, poop. I mean, there are definitely times where when you go eat something and you're like, oh man, I'm gonna, like, I know I'm gonna, like, you know what's gonna happen. <laughs> like, and you're, you're like, I, I gotta, like, you're you're a dead man walking, dude. Like, you don't know what's okay. gonna happen. We're gonna
1: make that our slogan now. That's when you know you have to poop, <laughs> you're a dead man walking. <laughs>
0: I mean, people. I don't be insensitive. People died of dysentery for millions of millions? millions, thousands of years of years. No, I think billions of years. Okay. Sixty. I, by the way, not to go Can, too far off topic, I did yeah. go on another deep dive of Jurassic oh. World Dominion, but maybe that's. I'd rather of the
1: bonus. go off topic than keep talking about poop.
0: <laughs> as you, so. I mean, as those of you who have listened to our bonus episode, you'll know how much we dislike that. Um, yeah. No, I just, uh, I was reading a guy on Reddit. (laughs) No, this is, like, a regular white guy podcast. You know what I saw on Reddit recently? And speaking of white guys, we'll get to our guests in a second. Yeah. Um, I guess not, I guess, you know, anyway. Okay. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it was, like, a, 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 like, stream of consciousness thread of a guy on Reddit, and he's like, I'm gonna watch the extended version of Jurassic World Dominion and post all my thoughts and then just press enter. And uh, it's fucking. You didn't watch Jurassic World Dominion, right, Spencer? No, of course not. Okay, yeah. It's uh, it's not good. Um, no, there's apparently there's like a flashback in the beginning. Um, it's basically, um, the beginning is like the T Rex in its previous life gets uh, into a fight with uh, another dinosaur. T Rex dies, and then a mosquito gets the <laughs> gets the blood from that T Rex, okay. and then. And then uh, it's implied that that's the T Rex that we all know and love, Rexy. And at the I end of the movie, one. it fights that same dinosaur, so it, and and it wins because it's fucking Jurassic World. And it's like, wait a minute, it's like it's like a second life kind of like, like it it died oh, and then at life? that moment. Yeah, video game, exactly. And it came okay. back, and it and now it's the king of the dinosaurs, T Rex. Um, yeah, that movie's fucking crazy. There's a guy that looks like Tim Cook in there. I think I told Spencer that. I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure I said that when I immediately after I watched it. Well,
1: because he's out um, there and he's like, I- the new iPhone has more features than ever before.
0: There's a scene where he fires Dr. Malcolm and it's the cringiest thing I've ever seen. He's like, you're fired, Ian. You get that? You're fired. I'm like, what the fuck is this movie, dude? Yeah. There's also a scene where the helicopter person says, someone's grab on... No, uh, uh, I think it's like, everyone grab on somebody. And it's like, what? <laughs> it's like a fucking like, Disney Channel helicopter pilot you know what i'm saying yeah, who would like, tell someone
1: to grab onto somebody yeah i mean okay
0: i couldn't think of the lyric the from that but yeah the grabber
1: yeah
0: anyway speaking of well not speaking <laughs> of grabbing I say speaking of the movie industry and acting and lights camera uh jackson jackson uh peter peter jackson i made mean, the uh, lord of the rings i don't know why i'm making him sound like uh <laughs> um what's his name who's our favorite maori guy Take fucking, he doesn't yeah, even sound I'm, like that though what do you mean that's exactly what he sounds like
1: okay whatever
0: hey man uh we got our we got a we got a, a a new guest i guess i'll get no that's not true some guests have come back that's right <laughs> and maybe maybe doug will come back to the future in the future sometime you're but, extending you know, this way too long <laughs> yeah give it up for doug douglas
2: doug <laughs> douglas <laughs> Have any boys? Yeah. Welcome. welcome i wish
1: i wish we had a chance to catch up before the podcast but we ran into technical issues so we're doing it now
0: i wouldn't say it's issues it was like we were creating a whole oh we're new creators area. we're yeah. issue
1: creators i'm gonna put that on yeah. my resume
0: we're the problem solvers yeah um welcome welcome doug you're you're a longtime friend of ours and first time guest of ours, yeah, yeah, that's right. Were you, were we friends before the podcast, or was that like... Oh man, I don't. Know. It probably has to be after. Yes, yes. It has, no, I don't think so.
1: No, I think it. I think it was after. But I. I, I think that was maybe when the podcast was like dormant or something.
2: Dormant. I believe it was the dormancy period. Yeah, okay.
1: I don't know. We went like a couple ep- a couple months without an episode.
0: Okay, sure, Mister History over here. I was um, a history major
1: at one point. Yeah.
0: Well, Doug. Pull I mean the log.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I it, I was a podcast historian. Yeah, a p log. P log. Hey, the
0: P-log. it's a p it's log blitz. Um. Anyway, yeah, Doug. Doug's been for those of you who don't know, Doug's been a friend of ours for at least like five years at this point. You know, yeah. I keep thinking the blog's five years old, but it's actually like eight years old, which is crazy. Man. Um. It's a damn kid. That's right. I was a damn old. A damn old kid <laughs> um but yeah you guys might have seen doug you know sn- not snooping around but just hanging around uh some old blog post you know he was there when we hung out with the gooch brothers um i think i'm not sure if no you we didn't go to the rose bowl together like I, I had gone to the rose bowl like before you had
1: i think the first time friends. we met was at the rose bowl though
0: yeah you and you yeah. and Spencer. Yeah. And I remember that because I think I was me I was texting Doug. I'm like, Hey, I'm gonna meet up with you, and I go, I'm I'm with Garrett, and then he goes, Well, I'm next to Garrett, and I'm like, Well, I don't see you, and it turns out that Garrett <laughs> Gooch is not the same proprietor as Garrett. He's a different uh, guy. What's his last name?
2: Garrett Miller. Garrett,
0: Garrett Miller, Miller of Western Gifts. Um, shout out Western Gifts uh, over there in Highland Park. Yeah, great store. Um, but yeah, I mean, I yeah, Doug's been around a lot. You know, he's he's taught us a lot about vintage, oh, yeah. mill syrup, and workwear, <laughs> and I guess as we'll get into later, how to be sexy and cool while wearing it. I mean, yeah, that might be the thing that we didn't have before.
1: Yeah, you were uh, meeting you, you. Like that was in a weird period where I was like, t- I was tired of wearing like vintage dandy clothes. I was tired of looking like a fort, like a nineteen forties like catalog advertisement. And I tried doing like Drakes and Ivy, and I'm like, I don't know, I don't quite like this. And then I was like, This might be the first time you've admitted that actually. Right now. I don't know, I feel like I've talked about that before, but, and then, uh, we started hanging out, and then I'm like, damn, vintage can actually look cool. Um, you just don't have to get, like, you just can't buy, like, fucking Tattersall, and, like, <laughs> whatever. Um, and, like, a bunch of broad-shouldered, bold stuff. So, yeah.
2: Yeah. Definitely steer clear of the Tattersall.
1: Uh-huh.
0: It's, uh, hey, first off, <laughs> Tattersall's, Tattersall's great. And number two... I still look like I dress. I, I I think I've gone back to dressing like a nineteen forties catalog ad now. So it's like, it can still be cool, guys. I don't want to. I, I don't want to. I know I'm outnumbered here as a guy who wears a tie, uh, um, but I still want to. I still want to make sure the tie guys are still rep- well represented here. Tie guys.
2: No, that's um, okay. You and Spencer have like a magnetism dance. Like Spencer pulls one way and you have to push in, and then it's like an yeah. opposite. It's an yeah, opposite. it's like the momentum. odd couple. Yeah, very much so. Yeah, yeah, it's a
0: you know two friends, odd couple. C three PO, R two D two. We had this. Con- we Spencer had this conversation. We were at a bar and we saw a photo of a tall man and a shorter guy, and we're like, "Hey, that's C three
1: PO." Classic, kind of. classic comedy trio. Trio. Who's the third person? Wait, who is the third person between R two D two and C three PO? If you had to include a third person, who would it it's BB
0: eight, dude? It's oh yes, yeah. It's- come on i guess i no, forgot ab- i forgot about Ugh. baldroid yeah gotta roll out of here um yeah. I mean, yeah doug why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself so, for people who don't know you people who want to know you more as hey look there's that guy ethan tags which could which could which could describe literally anyone who's not me in my in my canon of friends
2: yeah. I mean, sadly, I'm not Young Chomsky. I think that's the biggest heartbreak to everyone <clears throat> is that they're always disappointed that I'm not Young Chomsky. <laughs> um, but I feel like everyone you tag that isn't Young Chomsky, they want to be Young Chomsky or ask for more of him. Um, we met when I was looking for a tailor and I searched, I was living in where I still live in La Cunada and I was looking for a tailor in the area. Mm-hmm. Found, found your blog and you had recommended Art Taylor. Um, and I had DM'd you on Instagram about it and asked about you know your experience with Noy and you raved about him. And then I believe Rose Bowl was that weekend and that was the first time we met up. Uh, at that time I was finishing up at UCLA. I double majored in psych and philosophy and was acting and then have maintained a steady diet of acting since leaving UCLA, and that's what I do professionally, and lucky to call that a job, but I have lots of interests outside of just that. So, well, lots name, to keep me busy. Name,
0: name two of those interests. Yeah, name two interests if you
1: have so damn many.
2: <laughs> uh, I would say the first two that would come to mind would, would definitely be interior design and clothes.
0: There you go. I mean, hey, if you if you follow Doug and you can call him Douglas, uh, well, that's not. It's, it's you can call me Douglas, but I'm not you, so I can't say that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. we don't we don't approve of identity theft here. Yeah, it's a crime. Um, yeah, um, but yeah, if you follow Doug, you'll you'll see that he has a very well curated, um, you know, images of of great clothing, uh, interior design, both from him and other stuff that he finds across the internet. Um,
1: yeah, absolutely.
0: And uh, yeah, it's it's really cool. You guys should give him a follow. Um, I remember that time when we, we hung out. You we were like, "Oh yeah, I went to the tailor. Like, let's go grab um, let's go grab like coffee." And at that time, I didn't even drink coffee. Uh, I, I think I got like a lemonade at that time at, at Float. Shout out Float, one of my favorite cafes. I wish they were open later, but you know, it's, it's a cool spot. And yeah, you were there, and I remember you were wearing. I think. I know you were wearing your your um, your stay press. I'm pretty sure you were wearing them that day. I just don't know if you were wearing like a, a short sleeve OCBD or if it was like a sport shirt that was like short sleeve as as well. One of those two things. And I think you had your your shell cordovan. Um, what were penny they? Penny loafers. Yeah, penny loafers.
2: Yeah, pe- shell penny loafers with the stay press and a 1960s seersucker Brooks Brothers. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, there you go. Short sleeve shirts. I don't yeah. wear them as much.
1: I'm
0: wearing Uh, one right now. Well, I'm wearing a t-shirt. I guess we're, I mean, I guess it's, you know, that's technically a short sleeve. Um, But Doug, okay, so, you know, acting, philosophy, interior design, how did that all start for you? And like, paying attention to aesthetics, I'm assuming it's like just, for most of the people we have on here, um, it's just about like, yeah, paying attention to details and finding Uh out what excites you. So what set you on that path?
2: So I grew up around it. I don't have anyone in my family that's in in the, in any of those industries, but
0: mm-hmm.
2: my entire family is purveyors and large appreciators of aesthetics of all sorts. So, my grandfather was quite rakish. He was, you know, quite a dandy in his day. Mm-hmm. Loved dress. He owned over, I think, a hundred and twenty different cars. His big oh, yeah. loves were, were clothes and automobiles. So, you know, there's. Wow. It, it, there's photos of me growing up washing, I think, like 20 different cars all through my life that I got to see. And like I said, he was he was quite a well-dressed man. And then as for my mom, you know, my, my grandfather grew up in the heydays of American mid-century design. So his home was, always, he lived in an Eichler and his house was always decorated in, you know, the finest of American mid-century. And as a result of that, my mom really kind of pushed away and had a real hesitancy towards that. And she and an ex-husband of hers had a home in Santa Fe. And I think she really felt drawn to the Southwest and more primitive furnitures and things that you would find more out of like a Ralph Lauren catalog. And so growing up, it was a lot of, you know, Johnson trips to flea markets, anywhere we would travel to. That's one of the first things that my mom always taught me was like the best way to get to know a new city or a new culture is to go to a flea market and see what people have, and get to know people through bartering and haggling and all of that. Um, so plenty of that. She was an entertainment reporter growing up my whole life. So lots of trips to museums and opera and all sorts of arts and culture. And I believe that that kind of informs all of it. Like It's all inclusive. It, it all it all folds into one.
0: Yeah, my, my mom is very similar to that. I mean, my mom is, for those of you who have met my mom, she definitely uh aspires to be like you know very cultured and maybe kind of like waspy person i think she she actually had an original copy of the official preppy handbook from the 80s mm-hmm. or whatever like she like she, when she was like a teenager or i mean maybe starting college she like got it and she loved it and i i don't know where it is i think she gave it to me and huh. i just lost it or something which sucks How dare you which is you know it's out of print right um yeah. But, but yeah, I mean, she's kind of in the same way. Like, I remember as a kid, like, she would take us to plays, take us to operas, you know, listen to classical music. I mean, like, you know, Pavarotti was still alive during <laughs> that time. I mean, I think he only died, like, five years ago. I guess it's not like he's long gone. But, you know, like, three tenors, I remember my dad was talking about that shit and everything. So I'm not surprised that, you know, when you have parents like this, um, whether they're into fashion or not, it's like, yeah. it's, it, it teaches you to pay attention to things. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, I... I... Yeah, I guess my mom also did that. Like we she always took us to like um we think did like summer, this, concert. yeah. Yeah, summer concerts. Yeah, summer concerts at like the Hollywood Bowl and stuff like that. Yep. She yep. was also I mean, she wasn't like into the same clothes that I am, but she was also uh uh the only person in my family basically <laughs> that was into clothes. And I think she she did teach me about like uh about where to shop for vintage. Cuz she what? uh she taught me about Melrose at least. Melrose Avenue.
0: Oh man, yeah, my mom didn't do that. My mom was like yeah. Bloomingdale's only kind of a thing, uh-huh. you know. But that, that could be an Asian American thing, where like you know you don't buy old stuff, you buy new. But that's we yeah. revisit the the cultural connotations of being Asian in the future episode. Um, so, like uh, Doug, when did like, it get really erupt for you? You know, like did you always like when you were like in high school or college? Uh, did you get did you wear like OCVDs and jeans and Clark's desert boots and stuff like that? <laughs> or yeah, were you the, you know? the
1: MFA basic bastard? <laughs> at any point in your life
0: <laughs> you kind of do that now i mean you wear like you wear like white t-shirts and jeans now you know it's kind of i mean even if you don't follow M- the mfa basic bastard it's still built on that like basic stuff and you know, repeatable, which we'll get into but yeah when did it start like, start for you were like okay i'm gonna develop my own style this is what i like americana
2: etc certainly i i definitely was not i wish i was wearing this kind of shit back then I was, uh, <laughs> yeah you and me both, brother. <laughs> I would be, I'd be wearing, swimming in
0: Tang. Just,
2: <laughs> just I like kidding. the pause before you <laughs> said that the hesitancy. <laughs> I
0: have to pick the right. I have to pick the right word for it.
2: Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I was. Uh, I was. I was not. I was. <laughs> I was actually wearing when I was fourteen and fifteen everything that's popular now, which is crazy. <laughs> like I have a box full of Chrome Hearts oh, at my mom's Oh wow, house Okay. <laughs> waiting for like for my future teenage child to like bust <laughs> out but that was back in the day when like you could go to chrome Hearts and you could go to the store on Robertson and go in and like for 30 or forty dollars you got a t-shirt and for 80 bucks you got a sweatshirt and you know I think the caps were like 65 dollars or something and that was super affordable back then like 35 bucks for a t-shirt was great and you know I had a, I had a friend named Johnny who His his dad was in the clothing business, in the schmada business. Mm -hmm. And he was like Mr. Chrome Hearts back then. Like ever since he was like could walk, he was always in Chrome Hearts. And I think that kind of just permeated out through our friend group. Okay. And especially growing up in Texas, but having been born here and having kind of spent so much time back and forth, it was one of those things where there's definitely a uniform in Texas, right? Like everybody wears the same stonewash Wrangler jeans you know, like Lucchese or Laredo cowboy boots, brown, always never black, which is like so weird to me, mm-hmm. always brown and like a nasty color, like a nasty shade of brown. And then like, uh, one of those, like, uh, like SPF shirts that you get at like, uh, like REI or like bass yeah. pros. Mm-hmm. And that's typically the uniform. And so I think as a result of growing up around that, I never wanted to look like that. So, so it was definitely a lot of trying out things You know, that was also like back in like the heyday of Barney's and there was Barney's outlets near me. And so like it was a lot of I was lucky that like, you know, I certainly didn't grow up with means like we definitely did not grow up with with money. If you know me and you know my story, you know that very intimately. But like I did grow up with a mom who fucking loved to shop. (laughs) So uh, and I, I had jobs ever since I was a kid. And that was kind of what I was always using my money on was I, I I really loved clothes and I loved the expression and the utility of it. And I was always trying to just find new things and new you know, new ways to wear them.
1: Do you remember what your first what your first like purchase was where you're like, Oh, this is like cool. Like this is the coolest thing I've ever bought.
2: <laughs> I mean, I feel like it was definitely the first Chrome Hearts t shirt I ever got. Yeah. And it was like, it was a white one that had chrome hearts on the (laughs) collar and I was like 14 years old. And I definitely thought to quote our good friend, Ethan, I was like going to be drowning in (laughs) town. And I I definitely was not, but... Everyone, when I went back to Texas, thought I was such a loser. <laughs> they were like, why is your shirt covered in old English writing? It looks so stupid. And I was like, no, uh, guys, it's cool. I
1: promise. This is the coolest thing.
0: You know, I, I'm not that aware of Chrome Hearts, you know, until like recently when all the fucking kids are like, getting back into it. But uh, they, they, I must have bought like some shirt randomly that had, of course, was like taking after that. But I had no idea until like recently. I'm like, oh, that's what it, that shirt back then was trying to do, you know?
1: Yeah. yeah um, I don't think I owned anything in the like Y2K period that would have been a cool thing now. I had, my favorite t-shirt back then was a t-shirt that had like like Frankenstein on it and it said like Frankenstein's Monster Company or something like that. I mean <laughs> that was my that was my I favorite mean- shirt
0: i mean i i've I've talked about the gas mask shirt that i tried to wear i had an i had an ed hardy t-shirt which could actually kind of go hard because it's like a skull with like a top hat and like okay okay, fucking like what do you call it like poker cards around it and shit yeah um but hey my star wars t-shirts you know um or the picture of my cock um t-shirt which it's a it's like a cartoon chicken but it's like here's a photo of my cock got that in hawaii of all places
1: nice of all
0: um, places but but what when did like americana like when did like the whether it's vintage or not you know when did that start to get in there ocbds salvage denim etc
2: i think for me because i grew up going to i went to a, a an international baccalaureate school growing up from ib from from fifth ib baby yeah. from, from fifth grade on so uh-huh. we, we had to wear uniforms so we were in ocbds gray slacks, uh, black dress shoes, which I sometimes got away with black Timberlands
0: uh, to, try nice. to, to
2: try to edge it out a little bit. Nice. And then you, you could wear a, you could wear a, a polo on Fridays. But so because of that, I never really wanted to wear that on my off days because it just felt like I was wearing my school uniform. Like, Oh, what am I just going to swap it out for some chinos? So really all of that started coming into play later. It was when I was, so I was 19. My little brother and I had moved across uh, the country back to California. It was just the two of us. And at that point was when I had decided that I wanted to start getting into acting. And as you know, someone who prides himself on work and loves being a student of things, I would go. We had a great video store near where we lived. And I would go and pick my favorite actor and I would rent every movie he, he was in, he or she was in. And so, mm-hmm. you know, when you're watching Cat on a Hot Tin Roof and Cool Hand Luke and all of these great Paul Newman movies or even The Graduate and all of these phenomenal oh, yeah. Hoffman movies, like you're pulling from all this and you're like, oh, wait a minute. All of this stuff is so cool. And like, why am I seeing such a through line here of all of the same kinds of clothes? And that's what really started to slip into like the ether of like, the you know, the, 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 the subconsciousness of like starting. That's when it all started to like percolate in and the real like data data intake started happening
1: it's all about the movies it's all the movies yeah
0: i mean so like it sounds like there you you could like to dive into stuff so was that when it like you were like oh i'm gonna go into like deep in the vintage or did you was there a time when you tried to do like modern stuff first like spencer and i did before we started to collect vintage
2: i think for me because at that point in my life right like i had no we had no money so Modern stuff wasn't an option, and this was pre-Grailed. Yeah. So at least when Grailed came about, I could fuck around with some modern stuff, some like you know Japanese Americana stuff like that, and I definitely went heavy into that once I started making. Once I started having money and Grailed was around, but certainly in those beginning stages, it was like you know Will and I were living in Palm Desert, so you got like Angel View Thrift and like Goodwill and shit like that, and it was like you know go to the go to the the army surplus store and go get a pair of 501s mm-hmm. and then try to find some like old brooks brothers shirting at the goodwill or at angel view just at the thrift and try to piece together some stuff there um, but yeah I, I didn't i definitely didn't have the ac- the accessibility to be playing around with the modern stuff at least for a few years but yeah in the beginning that's, it was all vintage
1: that's something that i've yeah i've always thought is weird about like people are really into the americana look but only get by like you know the like the i guess the like reddit raw denim guys who like get like you know the the like who like buy a new pair of jeans every month so they always have like incredibly like stiff like dark jeans and like you know a dark shirt and like a like a sawtooth or whatever and i always see this and like they're talking about it's like oh yeah i'm so inspired by all these like you know by like you know uh marlon brando or james dean or whatever and you look at stuff from back then it's like no one no one's shit looks like new and like no, clean yeah. like that i always wonder it's like do you look at yourself and then look at them and really think it's like yeah this is the same i just don't get it
0: i don't know why people do that man like i don't yeah. i just don't understand they, they have like no uh self-awareness mm-hmm.
2: um, i think people in general are just too precious with their things like the reason those pants looked so great or that chambray shirt looked so great is because you know, dudes were wearing it. Like they were wearing their clothes hard and washing them consistently. And like that whole phase that APC really rotted out of like, never wash your jeans and then go to the beach and sit in the sand. Like like that was such crap for jeans. Like it was destroying people's denim and you're getting constant crotch blowouts. And like, you know, it was just absolutely terrible advice. But that was the problem was like, guys are holding out and they, you know, you're so stressed about wanting to get the perfect fade and then you just forget that, like, the only way you're going to get a good fade is by wearing it. And so Mm. then you end up not wearing anything because you're so afraid and you get analysis paralysis and then you're frozen and then everything just looks stiff and uncomfortable.
0: Yeah. So you didn't have that phase at all?
2: I mean, not that phase. No, like, I definitely had an APC phase. Like, you know when i was so when i was like 21 maybe 20 or 21 was the first time i went into like crossroads and wasteland because i had like a very you know my mom is hip and my aunt is, her sister is very hip and like they you know my aunt lived in silver lake and there was a crossroads in the early days of crossroads like right down the street from them and wasteland was obviously down on melrose and she would take me to the vintage stores and go to melrose and crossroads and shit and like when you don't have money you really cannot afford to look at like full blown aesthetics of clothing. Like you really got to factor in utility more. And so to me, like when I'm looking at this shit and I'm like, I'm watching these movies, like for me, the big ones were like Marathon Man and The Graduate. And I was like, okay, how can I look as great as this is? And like, yeah, it's over just a short period of time, but like, I don't have the money to make a wardrobe last forever. So like I need a wardrobe for, you know, three days in the life of a movie that I can get away with for three years. So it was like I got this great pair of APCs back in the day when they did pre-new standard. They used to do like a proper 12-inch rise, like 11 and a half, 12-inch rise and a fucking like full-cut 11-inch hem, you know, hem That's opening, nice. leg opening. It was like such a big jean.
1: I'm glad that those are finally coming back with like jean companies. Like the raw denim companies are always like a couple of years behind for some reason, but they're finally making – they're making the big jeans again
2: yeah but like that pair I never I never was like oh I'm never gonna wash my jeans because I just treated them like I always did and I, I would just I wore them and then washed them and I wore them and washed them and they wound up looking amazing so you know they sh- the first pair I had definitely shrunk too much but that was the Levi shrink to fit that I had got from Macy's on sale for like 20 bucks or something and that pair I threw in the wash and that was like the learning lesson like oh Okay. With raw denim, you can't wash it on hot with hot water and throw it in the dryer. It's going to shrink down to be like baby gap. So, but yeah, it was, you know, it, it was a lot of just sticking to classic American pieces that were mostly all vintage or certainly at secondhand at minimum and, you know, gray hoodie, the, the, I had Chuck's or Jack Purcell's always and didn't have boots. I couldn't afford them back then. Um, the APC jeans, and then like, you know, some, some white t-shirts that I remember reading Aaron Levine's 10 essentials. And I used to keep that GQ issue like under my fucking bed. And (laughs) when we first became internet friends, we like talked about that and I would keep that shit under my bed. And he was like, yeah, I love raw denim and like this shawl cardigan that they were doing at club Monaco. And I like fucking saved up money and went and bought that goddamn shawl cardigan. He was like, and I wear Fruit of the Loom V-necks that I get, like, a six-pack. And I was like, I'm going to yeah. go buy some Fruit of the Loom v from, like, Target. And I went and bought some, and, like, t- I, like, hand-sewed. It was the first time I ever sewed anything. Like, my mom had <laughs> taught me how. But I, like, hand-sewed in the armholes to, like, be a little more narrow because they just fit awfully right out of the pack. But it was, uh, it was stuff like that. That was definitely the early days of, of, of clothing for me.
0: So so, yeah, so when I met you, now you're wearing, like, Levi, stay pressed, and, uh, you know, OCBDs, how did, how did you get to that stage?
2: So that transition, I think is just like anything, right? Like you just start to go deeper down the rabbit hole and like, you know, know better, do better. It's the same applies to everything. Like when you know more, you can start to have a more of a discerning eye. Like in the beginning, you don't know enough, right? Like you just see it on a picture on, you know, on Pinterest or you see it in a, you know, in a movie and you're just like, oh, I want that. And then the internet's a beautiful place to start learning and you can start researching stuff and you can go down that rabbit hole really quick. And just like I did with film and you know, trying to be a, a, a P-log a, a, a uh-huh. historian of all of this shit, like yeah. you, you start to go down that rabbit hole and it's like, oh, okay, well, if, 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 the, if the OCBDs today don't look the same as they did back when Paul Newman was wearing it, well, Paul Newman was in these movies in the 60s and 70s. So I better go try to find some from the 60s and 70s because that's the only way I'm literally going to get the exact same fucking look. And so that's what I was doing. And, you know, when I'm working then at that point, you know, I'm working professionally as an actor and I'm making, you know, some scratch for like the first time in my life. And, you know, you're making some money, you can afford to buy some nice things. So, you know, I remember like the first expensive thing I ever bought was like Mr. Freedom. I bought this jacket that I had lusted over for so long. And I love those dudes. They're still friends to this day, but like (laughs) it was a horrible purchase for me. I never wore it. (laughs) But then immediately it was like, oh, my, I get, my money goes longer in vintage. And so it was just educating myself as best as possible and starting to find stuff and learning how best to use eBay and international auctions and things of that nature. And then accumulating the same kind of like basic utilitarian wardrobe of trying to keep a small amount of stuff that I can wear a lot with a lot of, re- you know, repetition and repeatability that doesn't always feel like, oh, you're just you're Mark Zuckerberging it up there with like a gray t-shirt and blue jeans and like you're in the same fucking thing every day.
0: That's okay. So did you see your style? Like, did you start to get like bolder stuff because you were buying true vintage at that point or like, cause I mean there was also that stage when you started to like really sell vintage that you kind of went full vintage seller core, you know, like you're wearing M43 or even the monkey pants all the time with the, you know, and, and you're, uh, dyed not dyed sorry like faded hoodies and everything which is a lot different than when i yeah. first met you right Cause, like you cause, yeah, went, the, oh, I'm, went that way i mean
1: something that you brought up is also that like you know that you feel like you had to uh really start diving in um so i think to go along with that like yeah when did you start diving into just like you know i don't know like get getting into clothing in person because i feel like um, it, it, the internet can be great, but it's it's really hard to, to to get true knowledge and true experience unless you're actually handling it and seeing it in person. Yeah,
2: absolutely. And I think we have such a luxury here living in LA where there's, you know, terrific flea markets every mm-hmm. weekend, right? Like, you know, the schedule, like Melrose, especially back then, like Melrose was popping off. Like now it's absolute garbage, <laughs> you know, for the most part. But like back then it was unbelievable, man. Like the stuff that you could find there was crazy. You could find N1s and, you know, 1950, you know, Korean War chinos, World War II chinos, like like nothing. Every, every booth had them back then. And so, you know, Melrose was every weekend, PCC, Rose Bowl, Long Beach, Santa Monica, like, you know the schedule and you're just there and you're right. going through it and you got rhodium during the week and things of that nature and other, you know, smaller little ones. And that would definitely have been the first time that I was, you know, handling it in person and being able to, at least with the qualifier that like, Right. Because, you know, I'd handled it in person, vintage stores, things of that nature before back then. But that was the first time that you're face to face with people who are selling this and have been around the block and know what they're doing. And you can ask them questions. And, you know, I always found that a lot of people complain that people in the vintage game are really big gatekeepers. But I think that uh, that was never certainly at least my experience. I think that maybe because I came from a real earnestness and a real like appreciation for the game and for the clothes and i was asking questions more than i was ever trying to like tell people shit cuz i didn't know anything right so i came at it humbly and like just wanting to know stuff and i got lucky that i you know i met a few people that were that had been doing this for a long time that really kind of took me under their wing and taught me so much invaluable knowledge and would go out of their way to take me picking with them and take me to rag mills or flea markets and teach me stuff, how to date things, what to look for stitch per inch, what zippers, how to date the zippers, how to do like all of that Mm -hmm. sorts of stuff. And so really I would say around, you know, shortly before I met you guys was when all of that had really started to transpire in terms of my like really deep diving into the knowledge and history of how to understand this clothing. But then Ethan going back to what you were asking about, when did it shift over to like what now we would call like, right? Like vintage, you know, vintage dealer core. Like you look like you sell clothes at the Rose Bowl, Mm -hmm. right? Like I think that as someone who has always had to have a lot of side hustles because of various jobs that I've ever had to have, putting myself, you know, through UCLA, you know, with two jobs and one of them primarily being reselling Supreme, like, right, you can't can't walk into Supreme – and be taken seriously at least or sell supreme, excuse me, and be taken seriously in stay pressed and some penny loafers. Maybe nowadays, you know, after uh, Brandon yeah. took over and all of that nowadays, yeah. kind of, like back then, dude, if you weren't in like skin tight acne studios, the ones Kanye was wearing, and like some like, you know, I used to wear this like supreme hockey jersey all the time. Uh. just like because I had that shit because I was selling it. And so I had to like okay. play I'm just playing role. And right. then when I was really getting into vintage was when it was like, okay hold up there's a market here for this and like i can make some money doing this aside and i've learned Mm -hmm. a lot and now what a great way you know you have so much free time if you're lucky enough to make a living as an actor you have so much free time and like nothing is worse than sitting on idle hands and just like waiting for the phone to ring and so i was just always out and always trying to do shit and to me it was never like wanting to go be mr actor because like to be perfectly honest, like I don't really, uh, you know, I don't, I don't really fuck with a lot of actors. Like just because I think you get really tunnel visioned in that world. And it's really, it's really narrow, narrow minded. Like Mm -hmm. I was really, I I found a a home with people that were in the vintage community and all of a sudden I'm like, okay, wait a minute. There's like a, there's a real market for this kind of shit that I kind of caught the wind of before it blew up. And I figured, hey, I'm going to do the same thing I did with Supreme, right? Like I'm going to dress the part if I'm going to sell the stuff. And so all the Ivy went to the back of the closet and I started buying this stuff that like, not only was I trying to dress a certain way to be able to sell to a certain person, but also like, man, I fucking love that stuff. Like you guys know, I still wear the hell out of those monkey pants. Like yeah, if you follow me on any of my socials, like you see those pants constantly. Like I still have you know a small granted it's much smaller these days but like i still have my small archive of 1940s and 50s levi's stuff that i'll never get rid of that i wear that i love cuz like why have it if you're not going to wear it i'm never just going to keep shit so, like yeah. in bags in right. bed, under my under my bed or in my closet like i have that stuff and i wear it and i still have some great hoodies and but but yeah there was definitely a part of it that like also you know i had i had i had gotten out of a relationship and i was definitely like Uh, There's certainly a part that, like, if I'm being my most honest self, right? Like, I was looking for a place to, like, I was looking for a place to fit in, and I really found it with, like, these group of, like, people that were so fucking kind and so generous with their time and their knowledge and their resources. And, like, yeah, I think, like, amalgamation theory, right? Like, you become an amalgamation of the five people you hold closest to you. And I think that's the same applies with dressing. Like, you're going to start to dress more like herd mentality. You're going to start to dress more like those people. And I'm, I'm
1: so fortunate for that.
0: I'd believe you but I don't think people wear ties around me. I still think I'm the only one unfortunately.
1: <laughs> I mean, um, I don't know. I feel like everything else besides the ties. <laughs> sure, whatever. I'm just yeah. I'm,
0: I'm on the side of big tie, the big tie <laughs> lobby and I I would love it. I mean, hey, we you were know. just talking to Discord that even Drake is scaling back its tie production, I think or we're oh, just noticing man. that they're not Tie well,
1: company is scaling back their ties. I mean, they also are selling all of
0: their uh, yeah. Fo- yeah, they're not. Um Okay, but let's. I uh, I do want to talk a little bit about like you know you t- you turn thirty now, right? You got to be a, you got to be a big boy, got to be an adult, and because now I feel like you know yeah you you're wearing some of the Ivy and Jason stuff that I saw you in before, um, but then there's a whole bunch of like more designery aspects to it, you know, or or you know getting these like minimal, I guess kind of basics, I guess, but like you know there's there's a new take that I see from you now. That maybe some people haven't seen, but because I've you know I've seen you go from wearing short sleeve OCBD. I mean, there's one there's when we went to that like I don't know what what event that was, but you were wearing like an aloha shirt with pleated trousers and like a a flat cap. And then you know, next thing we know, next time we you know we see you at trivia, you know you're wearing like fucking hoodies and 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 <laughs> HPTs. And then now you know you're wearing like lemare and and these like mm. chunky sunglasses. So like what what about this new phase? You know, new new Doug. Doug,
2: What is this? Doug, like 5.0 now, Chrome, Chrome Chrome hearts, (laughs) utility, poor kid. Yeah. Ivy vintage. Now, no, I think that like, look, I, like I said, I I find the expression of it all wonderful. And I think that when you have some money and you can play around and afford it, it's terrific, man. And like, I think that, you know, I'm doing myself a disservice if I leave out the serious note that like, I try to look at everything I'm ever buying as I never want to buy liabilities. I'm always trying to buy securities or investments. And when I was buying vintage, you know, the specific, you know, 1940s to 1960s Americana sportswear denim militaria, all of that, especially at the time when I was buying it, dude, I was just buying nothing but investments. And so I was looking at my wardrobe like, yeah, I can shell out $300 for a pair of big E's but in 6 months if i don't want them anymore i'll sell them for 850 750 like yeah, all day yeah. i was just turning money like making so much money on my wardrobe in a way that like you can't do unless if you're in you know archival designer like RAF and shit like that like if you're if you're not in that world like i caught that window of like oh i can make money on the clothes that i'm buying and that way if i want to change i'm never going to lose money selling something which when you don't come from money, you're, you think about shit like that, right? And so, you know, to get back to where all this comes from, right? So I'm single, I'm heavy into vintage, right? I'm popping up, I'm, I'm popping up at the Rose Bowl on occasion, you know, with my duffel and selling just like, you know, I have a few Japanese clients that I would sell to very high-end customers and, you know, I'd be a few grand in, in like 20 minutes walking around and I'd be like, great, I made my day, I'm good. And then it'd just be like time to go shop. And when you're shopping at the Rose Bowl, especially back then, you were buying that kind of stuff. Um, and then I'm dating a new girl. Uh, my current girlfriend, we're still together, Sadie. And, you know, w- Sadie is, is very close with her family. And her grandma would turn a little bit of a side eye to me. I, I, you know, she's a very classic old lady. And she would turn a side eye to me at times when I'd show up in these fucking tattered ass hoodies that like I thought were so cool and like you know she just didn't understand and like I get it yeah I I wouldn't understand that shit either I'd be like uh, honey why does your boyfriend look like he's homeless is that (laughs) that, like a derelict is this a thing I thought this was just Zoolander shit, right and so like there was a few intersections I never like to look like everybody else that's around me I find that once that starts to happen is when it's time for me to shift it up a little bit and the obvious second notion of that, that like, oh, hey, I've got a girlfriend now. I'm on, like you said, I'm on the other side of 30. It's time I start dressing a little more like a man in my 30s. Not that that means anything to, you know, it doesn't have to mean anything to anybody, but to me, it meant something. And I wanted to look a certain way. I wanted to be taken a little more seriously. I wanted to look a a little bit more presentable and approachable. And I feel like, you know, what really drew me to Ivy in the beginning was this idea that like, I felt like a real spiritual call to this like, rebel this like rebelness that I felt like Ivy presented itself in Southern California where like when everyone is wearing you know some version of blue jeans and a graphic tee or athleisure or like flip flops because they're just leaving the beach like I felt like dressing up in a but in like an Oxford and like a great pair of chinos was like yo I'm being like counterculture here even though like I'm huh. buttoning up like yeah motherfucker like, i'm counterculture af in this and and there was definitely like a part of me that was like getting called back to that that like you know pre the ald lookbooks and pre all that shit it was like hey wait a minute like you know i was taking notes from you guys like i was looking at you guys and like seeing like okay you can make a, a sport coat look cool and like how you said that i was able to do that for you spence like mm-hmm. you were doing that shit for me like you and ethan both were like i'll tip my cap all day to you guys on that like huh. I was looking at suiting and tailoring all of a sudden like classic menswear for the first time being like, oh, this actually looks pretty cool. Let me look into this a little bit. And then I start researching it and doing a little bit of, you know, information digging and stuff. And I started selling off my vintage. And like I said, I've kept a lot, but I certainly sold a lot. And then it started getting back to, okay, I have a budget that I'm going to set for myself. And I want to go back to when I always felt the best about my wardrobe were those early days when I had no fucking money. That was like when I had the most fun getting dressed because I didn't have the luxury of a giant closet. And so I found that like, while for some people you get like, Ethan, we always talk about this. Like there's so much creativity for you within the infinite. Like you have endless sea of opportunity. And for me, I get fucking analysis paralysis. Like if I'm shopping for peanut butter and go to like Mm. a market and there's 30 different peanut butters. And then I just like pull out my phone and I'm like, what's the best peanut butter? And I'm like looking up stupid reviews that like don't matter. And I end up leaving with no peanut butter. And I found that when I was having the most fun was coloring within the box of like making a box for myself. And how much, how many different ways can I find creativity within the bounded? And I went back to that idea of like, yo, when I had the most fun, it was on this trip to Seattle for a family reunion. And I could only bring this one small suitcase. And in it, I had my APC, those APC blue jeans, a gray champion hoodie from the 90s, two white tees, one black tee, a thermal, a vintage Oxford shirt, and a vintage, you know, military shirt from the 50s with the epaulets and the Mm. two flak pockets of tan one and a navy cashmere sweater, excuse me, a black cable knit cashmere sweater. That I had got it was Ralph Lauren that I had got at TJ Maxx for five dollars way back in the day because it had a couple holes in it. That my mom taught me how to darn, and like that was it. And a pair of chucks, and I was like, how many different ways can I combine this? Like, how many different ways can I do this? And I thought, you know what? What if I could do that same thing, bring that same energy about, and do that same kind of thing with a wardrobe where now I can afford a little bit better stuff? And like, what if I could buy the best version of everything that I covet? Not sacrifice in quality. And that doesn't have to mean the most expensive, right? Like, I stand by that I think 501s are the best jeans. Mm -hmm. And you can get 501s at any price point. You can go to the Goodwill and find them for $3. You can buy Japanese reproduction 501s in a very specific year and hand-sewn from, like, Connor's Sewing Factory for, you know, $400. So it's a price point that meets every kind of need and every kind of budget. But I love. And so that was the idea for me. was, like, how can I get into this idea of a really minimizing everything down to what I would just call like classics. Like I don't, re- I, I don't refer to them as basics because to me it's like the classics. It's like the foundation of a house. Like until you understand how the right pair of blue jeans and the right T-shirt, where the, where the shoulder seam hits on your, on, on your shoulder, where your shoulder meets your bicep, the length of the sleeve down your bicep, where all of those little details and nuances are the most flattering on you. Do you need a reinforced collar, non-reinforced collar? All of those little details – how they fit and suit you the best to make you feel the most confident. You don't. You, you can't start to play everywhere else, and that's where it all came down to for me was trying to really hone in on all of those little things.
1: Yeah, because I was gonna say I do definitely see a through line between um, what you wore now or what do you wear now and what you wore a couple of years ago. Um, I mean, you were talking about earlier how you still wear like your monkey pants and everything, but. Um, yeah, even, even when you're all, you know, when you're wearing just like, you know, like, you know, flannels with a button up and like ring jacket or something like that. Um, something about it, like the, the way everything fits, the, the colors, um, there's definitely a through line.
0: I'm just, I'm just happy to see a double-breasted suit on more people, you know? Yeah. Like that's, that's it. Um, I mean, yeah, speaking of that, like how did, how did tailoring come back into you, your style? Cause I mean, like. You know, every time we would go to to Roxy's, R I P location, not the person. Actually, yeah. well, Roxy. I mean, that's the name of her grandmother. So technically, okay. Roxy is dead. Uh, shout out Roxy. Uh, but when every time we would go, you know, we'd always like find like you know the sports shirts and everything, and I'd be like, and I'd be over there in the like, the sport coat section. And I'm like, look at this stuff, and everyone's like, nah, I don't really need tailoring, you know. So like, when did that when did that happen? Because like now you have a couple of ring jackets.
2: Yeah. I think Ethan is trying to tee himself up for a nice, like me hit one out of the park for him here. <laughs> no. he, no- he knows that like, he knows damn well that like my first suit was bought with Ethan at Roxy. We got a 1960 Southwick three piece. That's right. That yep. For me, I was like, I was, you know, I had watched bullet. I'd gone. Oh, playing yeah, there at go. Beverly. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, baby, I need that bullet three piece. And I looked up and did a deep dive. It was like, his was Southwick. And I was like, great, that's what I'm looking for. And we went to Roxy's and boom, I found this incredible, you know, charcoal wool, really lightweight, three piece mm-hmm. suit in beautiful condition,
1: yeah. you know,
2: and, and, and bless her Roxy is so sweet and she loved you guys so much and she always hooked it up for you guys. Yeah. And as a result, that meant she hooked it up for, you know, me and the, the rest of the gang. And yeah, it was a lot of, there's this great photo that we have of Ethan pinching the suit in the back for me. And I was wearing a bandana at the time, so I look like Prison Mike in that episode of The Office
0: <laughs> because of right. this
2: like full skull cap bandana, yeah. which is hilarious. That now that's like a TikTok for you page thing that kids are doing, <laughs> which is so funny to me because I only did it because I have crazy curly hair typically, and like I was doing that to try to flatten it out a little bit. Yeah. But I had this skull cap bandana on and a and this this Southwick suit, and Ethan was trying to show me, you know, how it would look after we got it tailored. And yeah, that, that was, so that was like step one. And then we went back and I bought this Brooks Brothers. Uh, I still have that suit. doesn't really fit me anymore, but I bought a Brooks Brothers sack jacket there, uh, on the closing, the like, you know, Roxy closing down the warehouse. I peed at that beautiful spot, yeah. um, that, that, that sport coat has been passed on to someone else. And then, you know, Ethan, again, like the first trip back into ring jacket, like where that I shouldn't say back into like the first foray into ring jacket was, you know, going to Pasadena, RIP the bloke yeah. and going to the bloke back when they were doing their, I think it was their, their closing down sale. Yeah. And those guys were so sweet again, just more guys that just love you guys. Cause you guys are really like the heart and soul of like classic menswear in LA. And you guys like keep that shit going because people feed off of like, people see how passionate you guys are about it. And they really love and appreciate that. And so we went over there and I was, you know, at the time that's when I was, I was starting to like leave a lot of the, the, the ratty sweats behind, but still keep my, you know, my fifties Levi's and old chambrays and stuff. And I was looking for a, a sport coat that, you know, I could entry my way into the world of tailoring that made sense. And I got that tweed, I laugh because I've, I've literally never worn it. I told Ethan the other day, like I bought it. I spent so much money on the sport coat, and it literally has sat in the garment bag since the day I got it back from the tailor. But you know, that's the that's the 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 mistakes you make when you're buying your first sport coat, and you live in Southern California. I feel like I buy, told
0: you not to get tweed, but I was like, the tweet is tough. You yeah. did
2: you did tell me, but I was you know I was like very. I was very hesitant and resistant to your to your smart advice <laughs> at the time, and I was like, "No, no, no, you don't know. I'm gonna I'm looking for this like you know Ralph Lauren English meets American you yeah. know, classic chic moment that's like very country. But the problem with that, right, is like that whole aesthetic is very you know northeast of the United States and. It's a much different climate over here. Yeah, there.
1: I'm checking the weather right now. Uh, all next week, it's going to be in the 90s again, so get ready for that. <laughs> I'll bust that tweet out, baby.
0: Yeah. There you go. I, which is really funny because I got a brown plaid balloon jacket on eBay, and then uh, recently a friend of mine in New York also found one on eBay, or, or like maybe like grailed or something, and so I'm like, just, you should have held out, man. You could have gotten balloon, which is the superior fabric, and actually is wearable in Southern California. Yeah. But yeah, you so, said, so now you have, I mean, you had the blazer, right? You had, and then you have the, uh, the flannel suit and then you have like the, the brown suit now as well.
2: As I do, But those, those are in my, in my closet. Then in the guest closet, we have the entire foray that I did into ring jacket where I went like, I am on ring jacket over the pandemic. And I bought, I don't, I must have five sport coats, all various like check plaids and like light, much lighter fabrics that I was wearing the crap out of over the pandemic. Right. Because it was like, you know, that's when, you know, ALD really popped off with that look that I loved in the very beginning was like, you know, sweatpants, everyone was in a very comfy, a very comfy aesthetic. And so it was like sweatpants and loafers or my wallabies and a t-shirt and a a cashmere sweater tied around my waist and a sport coat, like a big slouchy breezy sport coat and like a dad cap or like an old, you know, 1980s. Like, you know, my brother got me a great Niners hat. That's my favorite football team from the eighties. And I'd wear that religiously. And like, that was my uniform. But the whole time it's always gone back to like, what can I make my uniform and what can I get the most amount of wear out of? And then those sport coats over time, I just felt like, Okay, now this look is like too saturated about the marketplace, and everyone is doing this. And also, the world is starting to open back up again. And I'm not going to be going out in sweatpants and a sport coat anymore. <laughs> and like that's fine when you're like going to drive in the car up, you know, Angeles Crest, or you know, take the dogs on a walk. But like, I'm not going to go out and that stuff. So transitioned again, and that's when like the real, the, you know, the aforementioned trying to build out that that very fine tuned wardrobe really started to happen and like the suits that you mentioned yeah now now the ones that i stick with are i have the brown it's a three roll two but i got it on essence oh yeah that's right you know shout out our buddy kapil who uh who 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 works for ring and he, he and i were laughing about it because they repressed it to just be a three button stance not a three roll two Okay. And I kind of love it. I think it's very like nineties Prada, especially in the color and the fabric weight and the drape. And like, it's very, it's a cotton wool, but it's got definite structure to it. It's not very, it doesn't have a lot of drape and, uh, like that color, that shade of chocolate with the three button only buttoning the top button. is like, it's definitely a look. I, I like to, I like, I like to wear it that way, but I have that one. And then the lightweight gray flannel ring jacket, double breast. And, uh, and those are the two suits. Those, are, I have a nineteen forties cream rayon Ooh. that I that one's sweet that I won't that I won't ever let leave the closet. And those are the three ah. suits that, that I that I keep in in my closet to wear.
0: I'm so proud. I love it. I love hearing about suits. So. <laughs> So like now, yeah, now you got like Lemare in there. You got your, your chunky black frames. What do you, what do you think like the look of Doug is right now? The look of what, Doug? Uh, yeah. And what do you think it like? It, put together it says, your,
1: your Doug lookbook. Yeah. You know,
2: put together like one of those like cut out, like the, those cutout things where the, it's like a, comes with like jeans and, and it's yeah. like a Ken doll, but like a paper, yeah, for, a paper, doll. paper yeah, doll. Yeah, paper doll. I'll, give, I'll give you the paper doll lookbook. No, the, the, chunky sunglasses was the thing that like, now they're black, but like the, originally it was like, I've had this pair of sunglasses. It's a Bausch and Loam wayfarer that they were my grandfather's that he bought new in the sixties. And my mom stole from him when she went away to college. And then I stole from her. And it's just kind of like tradition. Like we keep them in the family and like, we all just kind of steal them. We've all stolen them from each other. So the chunky frame was like always around. Like that was always my sunglass. Okay. Um, but the new ones tilt forward too much. So that's why I always went with the vintage ones. And it was so sentimental and I love them so much, but yeah, certainly now I don't wear much, br- I don't wear the Brown sunglasses. It's all black. I definitely like, if you, if I laid out all of my sunglasses, which I've thrown a photo on my Instagram of all of them before, it's like, yeah, I have a type, like I have a problem. Hmm. Like I have seven pairs of sunglasses and they're all chunky black acetate frame. Like they all look identical. It's like to most people be like, why the fuck do you need all? They are, they're all the same pair. But to me they're all, you know, subtly different. But
1: Oh yeah. I mean, hey, if you it's like you look at my closet, I have so many light blue shirts, and it's like, no, they're all different, I'm telling you. It's yeah.
2: I'm not the meme of the old man wearing yeah. the plaid shirt, holding up the plaid shirt to his arm. I'm not that guy. It's a different <laughs> plaid. Trust me. Yeah. One is gingham, one is baby gingham. <laughs> they're there different. Uh, no, like you said, there's Lamaire in there, there's you know, the roe. Um, I, boots, I've never,
0: you know, you
2: yeah, got the, g- g- I got the Gweedies. I got those, uh, I got those, I have some Rick, but like, I, I don't do this stuff, you know, <laughs> I shouldn't say I have some Rick cause then people are gonna think I'm like a Sith Lord out here wearing uh, like fucking like drop crotch diaper jeans. <laughs> no, I have like a cashmere sweater and like a, a long sleeve undershirt mm. from Rick that like, I think are phenomenal, but you know, I, I like, I, I like minimal, uh, aesthetics in general, I stick to a very neutral color palette. I've always been drawn to that, to more earth tones and things. I think it like for me, when I'm talking about, you know, you know, having a wardrobe that you can wear time over and be able to mix things and interchange stuff, having a lot of bright colors doesn't really work because it stands <laughs> out too much. Right. So I stick to Brown. Like my mom always taught me, like always, she kind of like laid the the foundation for me. It was always Navy, camel, white, black, grays, you know, blue jeans, army, you know, shades of, of, of olive drabs for military and then like a pop of red as a color. And that's kind of the world that I've always lived within for color palette for myself is like a very classic palette. And I like to stick to when I'm purchasing designer, I like to stick to designers that are definitely like, you know, what, what now is deemed as like stealth luxury, like stuff where you're not going to know, what it is and and I'm not really necessarily trying to pay for a brand or a big label that's certainly not anything that I would ever want it's more the cut that I'm after the the fabric itself the nature of the garment and like typically I'm buying things that are still all classic pieces I just like to play around with the silhouettes Mm. you know like I have uh, you know two or three great Brooks Brothers cashmere's from the 60s that I love and wear so often that are enormous, right? And they're so big. And then to offset that, I got this really great Rick Owens one that's like very cropped and like quite adrogynous and like stops like, you know, you guys would love it because it's perfect if your trousers are anywhere yeah. over your navel. It's like stops <laughs> right at that. And so it's great perfect. when I'm wearing pants that I need that for. And I don't want a giant sweater, you know, if I have a big pant and I need a smaller, a smaller sweater up top to kind of balance the proportion out. But yeah, it's, you know, if I were to say to circle back, like if I were to say like what my look is, like, I think that, you know, I'll always be, I'll, I'll give you two options. Like I think that the things that I find myself gravitating towards the most are like a great pair of 501s, you know, I'm a, I'm a big proponent of sizing way the fuck up and learning how to sew and sew the waistband in yourself. I talk about that all the time on my Instagram and, uh, and on my TikTok, a few TikTok videos that I've made talk about that. And so I have like, you know, tagged 38s and I'm like a 32 and a half true waist. So I'm taking in two inches on each side, but it gives me a leg that's a little fuller that has a little more space and drape to it that doesn't, you know, fit me so snug through the leg. So a great pair of 501s, a nice white tee, a cashmere sweater and a great pair of loafers with, you know, an an, an Oliver people sunglass and uh, my Cartier step tank from the 70s and that's kind of like one very standard dug that's like in the in the bag of tricks of like what the fuck do I want to wear today? I don't want to think, oh great, I'll just throw that on. And like if it's too hot, the sweater will go around the waist and if it's or, or it'll go over the shoulders. But like, I love having that sweater to kind of break up what would otherwise just be just a t-shirt and jeans. Right. And then the other one is like, I always looked at black trousers as like, Oh, the cool kids are always in like some kind of black trouser. Right. Right. The kind of like the kids that like the people that like, you know, friends of mine that are, you know, they work in like, they have CD positions at you know, at various companies, not necessarily that they're in fashion, but they're just like, you know, they're cool motherfuckers. They're dudes that like, you look at them and it's like, oh, you, you've got taste, right? Like, you, you know, you spot it when you, you know, it's easy to spot and those guys love a black trouser and for me, that pair of recent has always been, I lusted over these ever since they put them out. It's the Row did this pant called the Antico pant and my God, they are spicy meatball. They're so fucking expensive. But I wanted them for over a year. I saved up for them. I bought them, and I wear them all the fucking time. So, like, cost per wear, while still high, is like I'm chipping away at that because I wear them so uh, much. But there you go. They're based on an M51 snow pant, which was like a, a an over pant that was issued to the U.S. Army in in you know poorer climates, right. made out of a heavy cotton canvas that had a, a you know not a drawstring, but they had. They had, uh, it wasn't elasticated, but it was a corded tie that you would tie off at the, at the leg opening. And they basically, you know, it was a a double gusseted knee and they copied the pattern identically, but they did it in this like incredible black nylon. That's just like a little techie, a little sporty, a little chic. And like, yeah, that's definitely like that pant. I find I love with like my common projects, B balls or I'll, you know, uncinch the elasticated leg opening and wear it with my Gweedies or a pair of Belgian shoes and do that with like a t-shirt and a black sunglass and a sling bag. And like, those are kind of my two core outfits these days.
0: I mean, it's, what's really cool is that it's, it seems even more unique now after having known you, I feel like it's a, it's a cool mix, especially when you start looking at like, you know, I don't think we have time to go into your interior design stuff, like a mix of like not eclectic, but like like old and new kind of designs coming together. I feel mm-hmm. like your your style now reflects that a lot, which has been really cool. Um, and yeah, I mean kudos kudos to you on that. Kudos to you. Yeah, it's Dude. always
1: good when like to have uh, both. I get. I think an overall appreciation of aesthetics because we've talked about um, on the podcast. There are um, like, vintage suit guys that we know that, like, will look great in vintage suits, but, uh, as soon as they try to wear anything else, they look like shit, um, or there's a lot of, like, you know, uh, cool, like, clothes guys we know, or artists or whatever, um, that, <laughs> I don't know, just live in shitholes, so it's, it's nice to, I don't know, I feel like, I feel like you should have, um, and, an You should have an appreciation of all aesthetic arts if you want to truly be into this.
2: Yeah, I agree. I think that, like I said, like it all kind of folds in on each other. Like, you know, the more I learn about my favorite interior, you know, my my favorite fabricators of of pieces of furniture and things or architects or, you know, painters, the more it informs my tastes and, and all of that. But like having that foundation of vintage clothing certainly like, meant the world for me and now being able to like, you know, I appreciate that compliment so much from you guys that like, it's that balance of kind of all of my interests all coming together in unison and harmony. It's like, you know, take that pant from the row, for example, like I can look at that pant and see so specifically the minute they teased it online, like, oh, you guys are doing an M51 snow pant and I'm so fucking here for it. Like, it's so sick. You guys just did like just enough of a twist on it to make it so cool and so modern and so chic, but no one will get it. Like everybody else, just like they look at it and it's like, oh, it's this cool techie pant. But like no one sees yeah. the reference that it's pulling from, right? And like, you know, I look at Lamar and it's like, oh yeah, you're you're doing a you're doing an N1 lining in, in a vest, right? Like you're doing the you're doing the tanker vest. Like this last season he did like an alpaca lined like vest that's like, oh, you're doing you're doing a World War II tanker vest. And it's like this mm-hmm. is incredible. And it's like having that knowledge gives me such an appreciation for the things that 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 designers that I appreciate certainly I'm no fashion head. Like I pay attention. I know, I know a little bit. I don't know as much as a lot of people, certainly. And I, you know, I ask a lot of questions to those that always know more than me, but like, I I always go back to that. Like I like clothes. I don't like fashion. Like I love, I I can appreciate fashion, but that's art to me. And it's, I like clothes. I like the utility of wearing clothes and, and people that wear clothes every day. I get more inspiration from that than I do from fashion designers. But being able to see where fashion designers are pulling from for their fashion and for their stuff that's going to be on the runway and knowing that like, oh yeah, you guys are pulling from the same place that I was buying from back in the day and all of those same references. It's so cool. Like that's, that's such, it's such a, yeah.
1: I, I think that, yeah. Knowledge of like, you know, um, even if you're not into buying vintage knowledge of uh, clothing history, um, is is really good for stuff like that. Because, I mean, that's that's one of the reasons I think uh, Ethan and I have, we're, were good at um replicating, like, the Drake's look or the Bryceland's look or whatever with vintage. Because we could be like, okay, okay, I see what they're doing here. Let me just buy the original, which is, like, $70 on eBay. hundred yeah. yeah. percent. Yeah.
0: I mean, that's why I don't really own a lot of Drake's ties when you own, you know, the original 40s ties. Or at least, you know, the Polo Ralph Lauren ties that I guess Drake's is kind of going after, too. But Polo mm-hmm. RL the 40s ties that's what they did
2: yeah he was always trying to that white tie right like that's how it started
0: yeah yeah, yeah. um uh, so okay so you know you're in this dug right now uh would you you're see in yourself, this dug.
1: you see yourself, you this know dug.
0: you see stuff changing any further i mean you know like you said you're doing tiktok and ig stuff do you think that might have an effect on the next if if there is a next phase for for your style
2: i think that that certainly already did in so much as that like I've always, uh, you know, look, I've always liked Rick Owens. I've always had an appreciation. I love when people can just like, like I think you were talking about it, Spence, just a second ago. Like someone who can, if I can segue for a moment, like someone who can like, you look amazing in like vintage suits, but then you try on something else and it doesn't work. Like, dude, if if you rock that like Sith Lord Rick Owens drop crotch, a bunch of fucking black and layers out the ass, like if you rock that and it looks great on you, like it is sick. And I love that. I love that for you though, very specifically. Like I love that for you and not for me. I know where my lane is and I stay in my lane but like certainly being exposed to that made me look and be like, oh yeah, why don't I go to the Rick store and like go see if there's anything here for me that I probably never would have six months to a year ago and you know, picked out a sweater that I fucking love. Does that mean everything's going to change? No. Because like I look at it like a race car, right? Like I look at it like I use golf as a better metaphor. Like it's easy to take someone in golf who's shooting in the hundreds to get them to shoot in like the eighties. You can do that in like a couple weeks. But to get someone who's shooting a few over par, you know, like five, six over par to a round a scratch golfer around even par, that's a lot of work and a lot of time and a lot of dedication, and you're really fine-tuning. It's like a race car, like you're trying to shave off milliseconds, right? Like that's all you're doing at that point. And so for me in my wardrobe, where it is now, I don't really see it changing much. I see maybe you know, it, it, it's a refinement at this point of anything. It's you know, oh this this thing that I have isn't the isn't is the version of it. Now there's a version of it that I know about that I would rather replace it with. And so then it would be selling offloading that that current piece for something new. But but the core pieces, those classics that it's all built on, that that's all going to stay there.
0: Now, can you talk um, a little bit about? Oh, I'm sorry, Spencer. So go ahead and ask a question.
1: Well, uh, I had. I think uh, maybe if we want to do some rapid fire questions at the end, I can save mine for then.
0: Okay, I yeah. mean, I was I was going to ask you. I mean, uh, Doug, what exactly do you want to get out of uh, TikTok and IG Reels? Like, that's you know, you talk about like, I guess hustling, right? As you're acting, you know, you're not doing, you're not selling the vintage right now. Now, I feel like you're putting some effort into this this avenue like what, what inspired that and what do you want to get out of it
2: i think that for me it was it, it all came back to like this real appreciation that i had and this gratitude that i felt for the people that really helped me out when i started when i started getting into this and my quest for learning more there was a lot of really like wonderfully lovely people you know shout out max He's at Sam on Instagram. He's a really good friend, Jamie. She's Raggedy Threads and Orange Pancakes. That's her store, Raggedy Threads in Brooklyn and down here in Little Tokyo. And like those were my – like I had a really – I had a lot of really special people that were, were able to teach me a lot. And there was never any gatekeeping and it was all just like open source. What I know, I'll teach you and I'll help you. And I felt like, you know what? I learned a lot and I wanted to give it back. Like I'm a millennial, right? But like one thing that I fucking love about Gen Z is like the complete disdain for gatekeeping shit. Like I love that. I love that just like, yo, there's enough room under the sun and enough shit on eBay for all of us to win. So like I don't need to gatekeep my shit. I don't need to stop you from knowing where it was. Like even when I was buying vintage and selling and like everyone would be like, Yo, oh my God, where did you get all these sweatshirts? Like, how are you getting all this? And be like, oh, yo, it's my girl back there. Like, go hit her up. And I was always telling everybody where I found everything. Why? Because I was never threatened. Like, I didn't care. I was like, yeah, I want everybody to eat. Like, there's enough for everybody. I'm not going to be so, like, so strict with it that I'm going to try to be, like, because that's all just a place of fear and ego and feeling like you got to, like, fight and smash your bottle and, like, protect right. your land. And, like, that wasn't it for me. Like, that's not what I came up in. And that's certainly not what I was ever trying to do. And so I think, you know, what, what do I want out of that? I, I just want to help people, man. Like if I can do that in any way, like the sweetest compliments to me are when like someone goes out of their way to send me a DM and be like, yo, I loved that outfit that you did. And like, I'm, I wore the same thing. Like, yo, I, I, I bought a pair of loafers, you know, I bought a pair of Aldens because of you Or like, you know, I see it in friends and the influence of people that I've had. And like, I I love that, man. Like, it's so flattering to me whenever anybody is like, yo, I fuck with what you're doing. Because I, you know, I fuck with it. But like, I'm just always so flattered when anybody else does. And like, that's all I wanted from this stuff was like, you know, I I know a lot. I'm not going to like faux humble myself here and pretend like I don't. Like, I know a lot of shit. And I think as a result of that, like, you know, there, you know, people have, have seen that and recognized that. And it was about just wanting to give back help out some younger kids that like, you know, maybe some kids are in the same position I was in and you don't have a lot of disposable income and you want to know how to dress well. And like, yo, if I could help that kid out, like that'd be the fucking coolest thing ever.
0: Oh, uh, I guess not little, I said <laughs> big brother <laughs> Doug right there. Big
1: brother Doug.
2: Well, yeah. the, IG uh, I like the noise that, that you're that.
1: making right there. Yeah. You. Like,
2: you know, be, be you know be a little bit of a big brother like that's a role i've had my whole life right like teach you how to be a little cooler a little chicer, you know help you if, understand like yeah you might be into this today but let me show you where that's going to lead you in five years and kind of expedite the process for
1: you probably the I best way the yeah, the best way that you could be use tiktok
0: <laughs> i mean hey we try that all the time you know we say hey you know if you could skip the five years or whatever of bad, of old Ethan, that's what we've canonized the name of, you know, it's great, but sometimes people don't want to listen and that's okay too. You know, they'll, they'll do it and they'll go through it. They'll (laughs) do it. They'll, they'll, they'll look back and cringe just like we
2: do. Yeah. Yeah. But like, look at, look at me, like even take us for example, right? Like as a result of your guys knowledge about tailoring and classic menswear, I was able to like expedite my process, right? Like I didn't step out and go like, yo, let me go to, banana republic and go get a suit like yeah i mean that's certainly not my my you know i'm not no shade to anybody where that's that's what you can afford that's what you can afford but like that's not my personality ever to just like aim for the middle like i'm always going to try to just get like what's the right. best version of everything but like certainly it was because of you guys that i knew about ring jacket and was able to be like oh i can just like expedite the process like learn it a little quicker here with some pace.
0: yeah and on that note i mean I i've talked about this before Banana Public or J Crew suits are expensive. They're like
1: eight hundred dollars. Yeah.
0: Like that's. Yeah, still I don't understand. <laughs> still...
1: they're, they're, it's like okay, the most expensive when I was working there, the prices might have gone up. The most expensive suit we sold was like twelve hundred dollars, and every time I, I I sold that one, I was like, w- "Why would you buy this and not buy, like a, a like a ready or like a like you know um, like a custom made suit for like roughly the same price or like a couple hundred bucks more?"
0: Yeah. See, yeah. so it's. People don't have that. Mm-hmm.
2: I think I always think of J Crew and Banana as like you know two brands where like sales are so integral to their business model that like that,
0: Yep, there you I'm, go. They're, I'm always thinking of it as like,
2: yeah, it's like you're priced high because you have to know that you're gonna knock sixty percent of it off at some point, and it will yep. be at the outlet. And as someone who grew up shopping at outlet malls and shit, like when I think when I'm saying banana and like if that's all you can afford it's because my head's going to like banana 80% off at the outlet
0: oh, absolutely absolutely for like I
2: mean, $110 I
0: mean yeah. in our one of our group chats like a guy was like oh I got these like um but I mean banana public seems to be doing better now just like Crews having a little thing and we don't have time to go into that right now um but there were like these pleated side tab chinos from, like the banana public heritage collection and the guy was like oh, I caught them for 20 bucks and I clicked on it I, was like, I want to see what they looked like and the original price was like 150 and I'm like okay <laughs> yeah like you know like yeah i get it like when 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 i think of what you can afford that's the price not but like there are people who buy it like retail and then they defend it and i'm like dude 150 bucks did none like outside my no my custom made pants were 150 bucks like that's yeah you know so maybe maybe that's a little too cheap too um <laughs> but yeah i think we can move on to some rapid fire stuff as a week as we close out spencer so yeah when you, you well... fire
1: open fire I wanted to know, was there, was there anything that you sold that you, like, uh, uh, really regret? Like, anything that you're <laughs> like, oh, I'm never going to wear this again. But now you're like, fuck, I never should have sold
2: that. 100%. I, there's yeah. so many. But, like, the, the two that I'll give you the fastest are uh, 1985 Chicago Jordan 1s that I sold, s- like, maybe, like, two years too early. Because I sold 94s, mm. like, six months before the blow up but i sold the 85s a couple years before like right and the the point i'm talking about is like the, the when the michael jordan documentary came out everything after that the market for those just completely skyrocketed and i missed the window on both but i would have loved to have had the 85s just to keep forever mm-hmm. uh and and my it's not really a regret i regret selling it because it was one of the best type 2s i've ever found but what was at the time my personal type 2 i sold but mm. it was always just too small. So that's why I say I can't really regret it that much.
1: Yeah, that's always tough. What else um, you got, Spencer? Uh, I don't know. Do you have any questions? Was <laughs> it was oh, like I the only rapid, rapid fire, fire question, question, question I had. Like the
2: rapid fire boys. Yeah, I mean, I, mean, I got to be
1: honest. You were like a great interview because uh, I don't know. We didn't have to ask thanks them. Any for questions. Keeping, thanks for I keeping always,
0: track of the entirety of my question. That's a great one.
1: I always like uh, when I'm interviewing someone and uh, they can, they can just talk without much prompting for me. Yeah. Um, so, you know what? I mean, that, that, I mean, was, that was great.
0: I mean, yeah. I mean, you kind of answered, we, we were, I thought we would get into a little bit more, but I think we've, kind of covered the uniform a lot and you know maybe hey maybe there'll be a part
1: two maybe maybe you'll come on the twitch or something you know we can do it
0: i mean hey chomsky was on twice maybe there'll be a second thing about more about you know discussing the merits of a uniform because i think yeah something something that i i was i was gonna share in the moment but of course he had some other great points that we we we, uh decided to tackle um but you know your point about you know being in the box i was like i know i think i'm in a box my box is just bigger and has more stuff (laughs) like i'm I, i could like even I like can appreciate Rick, Rick Owens, I probably would at, like never buy anything from there. I don't, I don't yeah. have any draw to it, you know. Yeah, like but my, you don't know
1: about the sweater.
0: Yeah, I mean, <laughs> there, there you go. See, <laughs> I, um, I, mean, I don't think I, I wouldn't call, call myself a
1: minimalist dresser, but I do definitely appreciate now more. Like, I, I, I can, I'm more okay with like, oh, well, I don't I have, have a bunch of patterns going, going on. That's fine and stuff like, like that. Well, that where happens, I think you before
0: where the tie is. It's easier if you don't do that. <laughs>
1: Yeah, but, like, before I was like, how do I make this outfit, like, more interesting? It's like, oh, I can't... But now I'm, like, fine with wearing, yeah, like, sh- like chambray shirts or, like, even, like, blue OCBDs which look exactly like chambray shirts. Yeah, exactly. Every, every day and stuff like that. Hey, and being like,
0: who has the Brooks Brothers uh, button-down collar in chambray and a Brooks Brothers OCBD in blue, they are definitely different, and I do not wear them the same way. Um, but, no, yeah, I think... Um, i mean you know when doug and i were were catching up i think for like the first time in like a couple of months um and where i told him you got to be on the pod before the year is over um we were saying how um like i like i still have a uniform it's just made up of a lot of different things like i think like i said before in the the discord like if there was like a vibe like the esquire man or the ivy ethan is like the default and it just happens Mm -hmm. that those things have like Multiple striped shirts or like different foulard ties, but like that doesn't really change. Like I, you don't you don't really see me do a lot of like oh esquire man, but with I don't know like Rick Owens or something like that. Usually it's very it's like I have like those moods. Like you have like the different dugs I have like the different Ethans, but um the biggest ones, yeah, have just a lot of ties. That's it.
2: <laughs> we talked about it that like you know, you want 40 ties, right. And you, in like an ideal wardrobe, I'm throwing a number out. I don't remember yeah. the exact number because it's irrelevant, but it was like, you know, you, you want a wardrobe with a bunch of ties. And for me, I want to be the person that if I'm going to wear a tie, you know, it's going to be a black silk tie. Like that's it. You know, what to expect, and that's okay. And yeah. I would be totally okay being that person because like, you know, it's all relative. Your box to you is a normal size. And to me, I look at your box and I'm like, that's the biggest fucking box I've ever seen in my whole life. And you look at my box and you're like, you know, it's a New York apartment. What are you doing? How do you even live in it? Where's your bed? Like, you got a Murphy bed in this bitch? What's going on here?
0: <laughs> and the crazy part is that I never have decision fatigue. The ideas keep coming. Like, they just, it's, it's <laughs> unstoppable. Like, it's hard for me to, like, stop making fits. I'm about to go to New York literally in, like, four hours. Um, but... Yeah. I have to stop. I have to be like, oh, I'm not going to literally be here. I got to stop making outfits because, like, they're just going to sit on my rack. You know, I, I got to pack what I have right now and then take that and just, you know, wear it. And I won't have my closet to look at. And it's, it's like a really weird, like, blue ball situation of where I'm like, I have all these, ideas, but I literally can't do anything. And they're at home, they're waiting for me. They're begging me to put them together with stuff. But that's like an Ethan. that could just be an Ethan problem. Maybe regular people don't have this. But blue that's, balls situation. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a creative blue balls, you know? Creative it's, it's, blue it's balls. Right there.
1: What what what's the creative equivalent of the balls? Like what's the organ that controls your creativity?
0: Uh the brain. Wait. The blue
1: brain. The blue brain.
0: Yeah. I mean, I didn't the I come brain. I come up with something. No, this was recent. And we'll close out right after this. Um, but i was talking about like um i don't know talking to my friends about dating and you know they're talking about like oh yeah like when do you stop using condoms or whatever and then and then there was you know the 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 conversation moved to like oh like you know how do you know like not to get too attached or how to you know whatever this is like a totally separate topic but i was like oh yeah what if there were like emotional condoms to prevent you from emotionally coming like like do you like Jesus? and i was like do you think of like little like 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 dogs or baseball to prevent yourself i'm like oh i'm about to share some traumas with with this person i don't want to get them you know to overshare but i'm like no that's just like stopping your that's like stopping yourself from coming whereas condoms they don't stop you from coming. They just protect you from getting someone pregnant. And I was like, "Well, I don't know even know what the pregnancy metaphor in this is." Anyway, that's my whole blue balls to condoms uh, story right there, where the analogy blue- doesn't always work.
1: Blue ball brand condoms. Do you think that would that's smart branding? God, I is think you s- got something is,
0: there. Is that smart branding or is that just a name, Spencer? Like that that could just be. it's it's just just a name that people are gonna remember so i guess i guess it's good like the condom prevents you from coming so it's like it's it's a (laughs) double it's a i mean it gives you it gives you blue balls it doesn't stop your erection it's it just gives you blue balls so like you can keep pleasuring whoever you want to pleasure with your penis so bad (laughs) yeah but it'll it'll hurt and you just can't it'll hurt you you know
1: it's not just viagra some guys are into this and yeah. all of them listen to this podcast.
0: Yeah, we know this. This yeah, we knew exactly. We know the sexual
1: freaks love style
0: directions. <laughs> yeah, S and S and D, more like S and yeah. M. I don't even know what that stands for. Sex and mothers. I mean, that's how I do it. Whoa. Anyway. anyway thank you doug, anyway. for joining us on the we always find a way to bring it back and if you guys want worse listen to the bonus episode that came out in September. yeah you gotta subscribe to the patreon <laughs> for the that craziest this craziest one ever for the first 15 minutes anyway doug thank you for popping on the podcast where can people find and follow you if they want to see those ig reels yeah, and tiktoks
2: time. at you can call me
0: douglas on everything On everything. See, that's smart branding.
2: See, that's what the
0: definition of smart branding is. Someone
1: someone took my well, someone took my Twitter account username, although they're just sitting on it. I might I might contact Twitter and see if I could get that. So many
2: people, so many people now that I have noticed because I scroll through my stories to see who watches. So many people have taken the you can call me from my Uh. stories. Like I have like a very like I don't have like it's you know it's not generic enough. When I see people now that do it, it's like you can call me Cordell, you can call me what Amber. And she's like, oh, nice. I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah.
1: Thanks, thanks for stealing my shit. It's like, um, yeah, it's like uh, Spartacus.
0: Yeah, it's cute. Yeah, if, if you ever were about to be, I guess, arrested for treason, you all would just you say, can you can call me, call me Spartacus and everyone. <laughs> yeah. And he, can, he can't, the law prevents him from arresting all of you. You know, <laughs> that's, like that's true. Take that, Caesar. I guess that's what Jesus did. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Thank that's you what guys. the podcast is all about yeah thank you everyone else for listening here and you know for, for those of you who support our Patreon who get to join our Discord in the small bonus episodes and a uh, so you can you, if you want to do that you can go to patreon.com slash Direction, and that's where you can give us $5 a month but if you give us 10 that's the same benefit you guys get but we say your name so thank you to Austin yep. Mallott, Shane Curry Philip Guard, Jared Colian, Henrik Wilberg and John Clifford we appreciate you guys a lot I'm at Ethan M. Wong. I don't think we introduced ourselves at the top, but whatever. No,
1: I'm at Spencer Diaz. So you know who we are.
0: And thank you to MJ for producing the podcast. I know this, one, I know this one's going to be a, a doozy for you, uh, but don't get on mic. Hi. Uh, we'll see you guys next time. Bye bye.
1: Bye bye.